1: Hey everybody! This is another edition of the Southern Pride Soccer Podcast with your host Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is September 11th, a solemn day in our nation's history. But last night, Atlanta United defeated Toronto four to two and completed what I'm sure was everyone's predicted result and scores because everybody knew Juanho Parata was going to score three goals, each with his head, each off of corner kicks and Thiago Almada was gonna fire a rocket into the upper right corner to give Atlanta United the victory and the valuable three points. If you didn't predict that, then I just don't think you're a true supporter of the Five Stripes because everybody knew that Juanjo Prada was gonna become the first full-time defender to score three goals since like 1997, I think it was. Uh, and the first defender to score three goals all by his head, and what is believed to be MLS history. So again, if you didn't know that, I feel bad for you, and you really should follow my coverage on Twitter, because I'm pretty sure I wrote that. At least I remember writing that after the fact. So let's go through some of the stats. To give you a quick glimpse before the stats, you're going to hear from Pineda. You're going to hear from Parata. We're going to get some questions on the old voicemail hotline Doug phone, and then we'll get some Questions from the Get Fresh crew about Atlanta United. But the stats, Atlanta United dominated possession, 53.5%. I think it was the highest expected goals total for the season, 3.58. Ten shots on target to Toronto's two. But Toronto had an expected goals of 2.16, which is really weird and kind of an indictment again of Atlanta United's defense that when Toronto got near the goal, it scored. Atlanta United won 4 2. Passing accuracy 81.3% for Atlanta United to 794 for the visitors from Canada. A. Four yellow cards for Atlanta United to three for Toronto. The goals were scored by Parata in the 47th minute with an assist from Brooks Lennon. Parata again in the 62nd minute with an assist from Sadich. Almada in the 74th minute with an assist from Mosquera. And Parata in the 88th minute with an assist from Alan Franco. And there's actually some secondary assists that happen too, but they do not show up on the full-time stats for some reason. Toronto's goals were scored by Akinola. Parata got a little bit unlucky on his slide. It was, it was, uh, Akinola was played through the middle by some bald guy for Toronto. Parata made the slide, got the ball, but the ball bounced right back to Akinola who tapped it in. And then we had a penalty in the 67th minute. uh against Parata for a a late tackle. But Parata made up for it with his three goals. Let's go through some of the other leaders. Araujo led in shots with seven. Shots on target, Parata with three. Chances created, Lennon with five. Completed passes, Sosa with 47. Completed passes in the final third, Almada with 12. Crosses attempted, Almada with eight, which is kind of interesting because he was an attacking midfielder. And we need to point out that the team... Did play without Joseph Martinez. I don't think he was in the building. If he was, no one talked about it. And the team tied at season high with four goals. Is there a causation there? No, there's not. Toronto's just not a very good team. It was playing without Lorenzo Insigne. It was playing without Jonathan Osario. It really didn't try uh, to get forward very often. Araujo led in expected goals with 1.12. So, some of you know that Pineda has often given the credit for the team's set pieces to the assistant coaches. So the first question I asked Pineda in the post-game press conference was if he wanted to start taking credit for all the set-piece goals the team has been scoring recently. I think it's like five in the past four games.
2: No, 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 no. It's ultimately, it's my assistants. They work very hard. and. The 99% of the success is the players. The delivery has been good. They're attacking the areas that we want to attack. The second balls inside the box, they are hitting the areas that we also want. And there are, there are players attacking those areas. So it's the players and my assistants.
1: When y'all signed Perata, you talked about that he could be, a, at the time, it was more kind of a defensive presence on set pieces, but obviously he's turned into a, a massive offensive presence on set pieces. Did y'all see that in your analysis when he was at Tigris or is this kind of a revelation?
2: Well, we saw and we asked a lot of questions to a lot of people around uh, Tigris and we knew he was very good in aerial duels. That was a highlight of him. But obviously, Tigres didn't really, really score many goals. But we saw that he had the capability of of being good in the air. So now, obviously, he's uh, uh, overperforming our expectations uh, on that. But credit, yes, Purata obviously has been very good for us and on the on the set pieces. But it's everyone. It's uh, creating the chances to get corners. It's the guys that take the, the the corners. They are hitting the balls, the movements that we are trying to to use, the decoys, the, the blockers, the second balls. Like it's it's a whole package that obviously is helping Purata to shine on set pieces as well. And.
1: This is, I guess, a confidence-building performance. The, the playoffs are still going to be difficult
2: to achieve, but how much does this kind of a result help? Well, we have to do our part, which is uh, going game by game, trying to win every game, uh, but uh, not just the result, which obviously <laughs> ultimately is what define our jobs, but is the performance, the type of performance that we show today is uh, – is uh, similar to what we want from the team. I think today was the best day in terms of expected goals, I think. So it was a very good game in terms of chances created. So we're very happy with that as well.
1: We really only spoke with one player in the locker room after the game, and that was Juanjo Parata. There was a couple other guys that we could have spoken to, but Parata obviously was the main guy. Three goals scored. He's up to six now. He's the third leading scorer. For Atlanta United is a center back, which also illustrates some of their problems on offense. He has more goals than Tiago Almada and Luis Araujo. He's one away from Cisneros, two away from Joseph Martinez. But here's a little bit about what Parata had to say. Have you ever scored three goals before in Never. one game? Never.
2: <laughs> well, how did it feel tonight? Uh, I'm happy. I'm excited. Uh, most of all, I'm happy because the team won. We are able to get three points. After suffering two two losses away, um, so that's what's most important that, that we're still alive, uh, we're still fighting, trying to to get the result. So um, yeah.
1: Six goals. You're the team's third leading scorer now, and you just arrived this summer. Is this going better than you thought it was going to go?
2: Sí, yeah, yeah. sí, la cosa va mejor que yeah. <laughs> uh, Creo que sí. Nah, I mean, <laughs> creo que sí. Eh. La He understood you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not normal for a centre-back to score three goals. um, But this is due to the the work of everyone. So it's not just one person. uh, It's not even just the 11 guys on the field. Uh, The credit is due to to the work of everybody. Uh, All the guys in this locker room, all the staff, all the people who you don't see on camera uh, and all the people outside of the locker room too who are in the spotlight. Um, So it's it's credit to everyone. You know, that's what we're working towards. So I dedicate it to them and also to Joseph um, so that he knows the the whole team is is with him. Uh, The the group is united. Uh, The group is very strong, uh, and that's important.
1: I was laughing because Justin took my very long question and uh, put it into about five words. So sometimes I giggle when Justin does that. I also giggle when the players give very, very long, expansive answers, and Justin kind of boils them down. But that's part of his job. So to catch y'all up real quick on the standings, with four games remaining, Atlanta United trails Columbus by five points for the seventh and final spot in the playoffs. They trail Cincinnati and Orlando by six points. I think Columbus is probably the best bet, though I still think it's likely improbable that Atlanta United can make up that ground. The team will play at Orlando on Wednesday in a very, very tough but important game at Exploria Stadium. I will be down there providing coverage for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As always, you can follow my coverage on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News now. So we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with some questions from you lovely, beautiful people. And if you did say that you had Juanjo Parata scoring three goals, then you're just a liar. But good for you. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution
0: ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
1: The Atlanta Journal-Constitution keeps you informed on the news that matters to you. And now, for a limited time, I repeat, a limited time, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for 99 cents. Or less, like the cost of a hot dog at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I think. Politics, investigations, breaking news, sports, dining, all that and more for less than a buck. It's our best offer for the best journalism in Atlanta, nay, the Southeast. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get unlimited digital access for the next six months for just 99 cents. And I'm contractually obligated to say that again, that subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on in Atlanta. So we're going to go to some calls. This is Chase from Lawrenceville as the uh, leadoff batter.
0: Hey, Doug. Uh, I'm here to ask about the noticing of the defenders scoring again and pulling Atlanta through another win. This has got to be a weird thing, right? Like it's normal with a lot of teams where the defenders are constantly helping them win games. Um, I also wanted to ask you about just like can this performance yesterday, could this get us two, three more wins this season? Out of the four games left, I mean, even two wins and two ties might get us in the playoffs and might not. What do you think?
1: So eight out of Atlanta United's last 10 goals have been scored by defenders, Chase, which is a crazy, crazy stats. And can this performance get this team into the playoffs? No, because it's still only worth three points. It's like a dunk is only worth two points, no matter how special it is. This game is only worth three points. Now, could it build some confidence? It could, but the team has got to execute in the next game. And I don't like reminding y'all, but it's a fact. Atlanta United has yet to win two league games in a row or to follow AP style, two consecutive games this season. All right, we're going to John from Druid Hills with a three-part question.
0: Hey, Doug. Sorry, my voice is shot after yelling at that ref all night. (laughs) Three-part question. Um, First question, who had a worse night, the ref or Michael Bradley?
1: Oh, you know my answer to that. Always Michael Bradley. Always. The guys in the press box were making fun of me last night. Whenever Bradley would make a good play, which was rare, they would comment on it. And then, of course, I got to have the last word a few times.
0: And speaking of Michael Bradley brings you to my second question. Has he found his jock since Thiago Almada just completely ripped it from him on that goal?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but that's a great question. That was a heck of a goal. Almada only scores bangers. It's true. He's, he's, uh, he's a special talent.
0: Third, more serious question. Do you think we can expect to see more of Edwin Mascaro When he came in, he was incredibly disruptive and really had Toronto backpedaling uh, from the moment he stepped on the field.
1: One thing to keep in mind about Mascara is his speed. And speed is typically negated when a team doesn't have to try to play. When they can bunker in, it kind of negates what Mascara does best. So Toronto was starting to chase the game a little bit. Mascara comes in. And that's when he's at his best. He's coming close to scoring a goal. If he does score a goal, I have to buy Tyler Pilgrim, the fanciest Arby's meal I can find to satisfy a bet I made with him a few weeks ago. But I think Mascara has a an interesting future. I'm still not sure he's a goal scorer, but you're right, he is a disruptor. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Now we're going to go to Terry. And it, my understanding is it's kind of hard to understand him or her. So let's give it a go. Hey, Doug. How you doing? I just wanted to get your take on a Joseph and a Native situation. Do you really see a
0: native playing Joseph again this year?
1: No, that's a, I perfectly understood you, Terry. Shane, what are you doing on the other side of the board here? That was a great question from Terry. All right. Shane's getting getting a docked in the kangaroo court for this little parenthetical about kind of hard to understand Terry. That's a great question, Terry. Um, I'll be surprised if we see Joseph at the training ground on Monday. I wouldn't be shocked. I would be surprised if you can understand the difference. I think that the marriage of Joseph and Atlanta United has kind of run its course, which can happen pretty frequently with professional athletes and franchises particularly when things are difficult. The question for Joseph and the question for Atlanta United is if he does want to be traded, if he does want to be transferred, finding a team that can take him at his current salary or as a DP. Now, of course, the way around that is Joseph simply agrees to a a trade or transfer, and then the contract gets renegotiated, Uh, maybe longer years at less annual salary, but the total remains the same, something like that. But, It doesn't seem like Joseph and Pineda's relationship is great, despite what Pineda has been saying. But we'll find out on Monday. If Joseph shows up on Monday, I think that bygones are bygones. They're all professionals. You need to move forward. You need goals. You need points. And we'll go from there and see what happens in the offseason. But that's a great question, Terry. Thank you very much, and I hope you'll continue to ask them. And Shane has been admonished. Bad parenthetical, Shane. Bad parenthetical.
2: Now, on Nothing to the personal, more, our
1: friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, on to the more traditional methods of communicating in this day and age. Rob, friend of the podcast, says Is Pineda starting dime up top with Joseph out an admission that Cisneros is striker just hasn't been what he'd hoped? I don't know. I think it was finally perhaps an admission that what he was trying to do overall wasn't working. The team played more of a 4-2-3-1, got rid of the three center backs, went uh, with the two center backs. The ball movement was was decent. Toronto pressed Atlanta in the first half and once again Atlanta resulted to standing around and staring rather than trying to break through the press with movement off the ball, which I don't understand but has been a problem under several different managers for this team. I still think Cisneros can be a consistent goal scorer in Atlanta United or in Major League Soccer, wherever he happens to go, but we'll see. And Dwyer, you know, he got a couple of chances, but he didn't really get any more than Cisneros or Joseph has gotten. If the striker doesn't get the service, then it doesn't matter who is there. That's what I've been trying to tell everyone who's complained about Cisneros and Joseph. If you want to go through the stats uh, really quickly, Let's go down, scroll down here and find Mr. Dwyer. He had in 70 minutes four shots, none on target, one chance created, and 15 touches. That's really not a lot different than the other strikers have gotten. So, in this case, maybe it's the teammates need to get the ball to him more, the tactics need to be tweaked, something like that. Rob continues following up on your response to my question last week, Perata now has a hat trick in amongst his six goals. Just like Cisneros. I think Rob wrote this during the game. And while we're all in awe and extremely grateful for what has turned out to be a fantastic mid-season transfer, no one would rate Parata as a golden boot candidate worthy of supplanting Joseph up top because it's one game. No, I I don't think anyone would say that. To your point about Cisneros, the goals happen, but they're an outlier. By definition, that means that even though they happen, they're the exception to the norm. The norm for Cisneros is that he just doesn't put the ball in the back of the net. Again, he's got to get opportunities. Rob says, I like Cisneros. Seems like a nice, hardworking, humble guy. But strikers must consistently tally goals to be worthy of starting. And certainly of taking minutes from the fastest man to 100 goals in MLS history. Thanks again for all you do to cover the team, Doug. If excellence and team coverage scored goals, Atlanta would be a Supporter Shield candidate every season. That might be the sweetest thing anyone's ever said to me in an email about Atlanta United. Thanks, Rob. Again, Um, Joseph was not available last night, so he couldn't be selected, but the guys have to get service. And I think they're just not getting the service on to Adam, another friend of the podcast. He's currently celebrating in one of the Margaritaville bars. I didn't know there was one of those in Atlanta, but he had to make a point of enjoying the win and raising a glass to Parada. Will Atlanta bring him back next season? Are there contract obstacles if they want to bring him in? I would love to see him paired with a healthy miles. Hmm. So Parata is on loan from Tigris, a power in Liga MX. For Atlanta to bring him back, there is an option for a loan and then an option to buy. Pineda uh, affirmed that question from Sam Jones last night. Uh, If you don't follow Sam Jones, please do. He's he's, uh, an up-and-coming talented soccer reporter. It's going to depend upon Atlanta United's money. It's going to depend upon what Tigris wants. It's going to depend upon Atlanta's salary structure. And right now, they are up against the cap. Now, the cap, I think, should increase next year. I've got to think that the CBA is going to get that part portion of the CBA is going to get renegotiated a little bit because of the influx of increased revenue from Apple Plus and its MLS Rights TV deal, or streaming deal, I guess would be the correct phrase. But those would be the obstacles. You would love to see him paired with the healthy miles. Yeah, I think that'd be a good pairing. Franco, he had a hiccup last night, um, but he's really kind of eliminated a lot of those mental mistakes that he was making earlier in the year when I was critical of him. So because I was critical then, I need to be complimentary now, and he's playing well. Adam continues, I now fully understand Pineda's points about Rios Novo being better with his footwork versus Godinho. I've tried to tell you all that over and over again, but seeing is believing. There was a lot of cringing going on, when Atlanta built from the back tonight. So who will be the other keepers on the roster next season? And if Godinho is an option, do you feel his foot control can be improved? Well, the goal goalkeepers next year will likely be Brad Guzan. We haven't seen Castanera rehabbing yet. And he his injury happened before Brad, so that's a little bit odd. But don't forget Justin Garces is a homegrown. They could bring him up to start getting Time with the first team. I guess it's gonna come down to who is gonna be cheaper, Rios Novo, who is on loan from Lanus, I think, or Godinho, who's a free agent. Godinho did talk about last night that there is an option that can be exercised in December. It's a club option. So we'll see. As for his control being improved, he can work on it and work on it, but once you're a veteran, developing new skills isn't easy. Um, but he can practice. I just makes perfect last question from adam we will end with a pair of kudos i didn't expect to offer i felt mascara had a good showing today he still needs to work on his final product but he was smart in how he used his speed and worked to pressure toronto's players props also to Dwyer, whose appearance in the starting 11 caused me great concern dom ran hard didn't get his usual yellow and pestered the tfc defense neither was man of the match but their effort exemplified how the team played well as a whole so let's, get, let's look at Muscara's stats real quick. 20 minutes, he had one assist, one shot, one chance created, 12 touches, two passes, two accurate passes, one pass in the final third, two dribbles, one dribble's completed, one aerial dual won, one tackle, one tackle won, three possessions won, one foul conceded, one foul won. He filled up the stat sheet in his 12 minutes, did Mascara? Um He's, he's kind of becoming a neat little, I shouldn't say neat little, an interesting sub, kind of in the Jake Mulraney kind of role. So we'll see what he can do. On to Greg, who says, assuming Joseph is not with the team next year, do you think they use the DP slot to try to sign a striker? Yes. I can't see Cisneros being more than a depth piece at best. Also, what is Jackson Conway's future with the team? Yeah, that is, um, I don't know about Conway. He scores a ton of goals for Atlanta United, too. He's having a fantastic season, fantastic season for Atlanta United, too. But when he gets up with the senior team, his first touch always lets him down. He scores a ton of goals in training, too. So I think as he gains some experience and he can kind of calm himself a little bit, he might have a future with the team. We're just going to have to see. It depends on what Pineda wants out of him. And if uh, Martinez does move on, yes, I think they'll use the DP slot to sign a striker. Christopher says, first, I wanted to add an answer you gave on the podcast about ways to learn more about the game. This was in the last podcast. Uh, refereeing. That's a great suggestion, Christopher. AYSO is a great low-pressure uh, organization. He's also a AYSO Area 5B referee admin. And if you contact your local region, they could set up training. It totally changed the way I watch and play the game in addition to changing how I understand the game. That is a fantastic suggestion, Christopher. Thank you. And I know that a lot lot of youth soccer organizations need more referees. So if you want to learn about the game, you want to make a few bucks, you want to get outside and get some exercise, all the things I don't want to do, I would sign up. And if you see Christopher, tell him hello and thank you. On with his questions. He apologizes for the length of these questions. You don't have to apologize. They're good questions. When we make a defensive-minded sub, talking about Atlanta United, Campbell on for Almada last night, it almost always immediately backfires. In the Seattle game, Albarra came on for Moreno just before Rolden's equalizer, and those aren't the only examples. Tonight, Toronto didn't quite get a goal, but it was about two inches from being a goal, literally seconds after the sub. Would it be worth defending by out-attacking them instead of adjusting our tactics late? Just depends on fatigue and and other factors. If a player says, I need out, then Pineda can't leave him in. He's got to bring in someone else. Abara, to me, has really taken a step back this season. He looked really, really sharp in the preseason. He was starting with Ozzy Alonso, but he just seems to look slower and slower, and his positioning seems to look worse and worse. After being a totally disastrous team on set pieces, which I asked about before, and you actually took it to Gonzo, since adding Pirata, we've only allowed one goal, and it wasn't Ariel adding several attacking goals. Is Pirata really that big of a difference maker, or is something else going on? So I looked this up today. Uh, On the day Pirata signed, Atlanta United had allowed eight goals from set pieces. It's since allowed six more. I do not know in which games they were when Pirata was playing or not. I could go back and look it up, but on this podcast... I don't think you want a few minutes of silence while I do that. But Perata is being a difference maker. You know, the goalkeepers are being difference makers. Bobby Shuttleworth, bless his heart. I don't know what happened to him in the games, but he just looked like a guy who had lost his confidence? But anyway, yeah, there's several factors that are that are making a difference. On the broadcast, Christopher continues, Mike Conti said it was probably his last time working with Mo Adu. What is going to happen in Kevin to Kevin and Mo when MLS goes to Apple TV Plus? Will Apple hire them to call games, or are they out of one of their many jobs? Yeah, Apple Plus has not said what's going to happen just yet. I asked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, of someone who works for Atlanta United, and they said they had not heard yet from Apple TV Plus. I thought I remember when the news was announced that some of the local talent would be retained, particularly if it was popular and and the ratings were good. So I'm hoping that these guys keep their jobs. I enjoy listening to them. They're very good at their jobs. Uh, And if they don't end up with Apple TV+, Plus, they'll end up with somebody because they're, they're very talented and they're very professional. And that's always valued. Nick says, I've asked a few podcast reporters this. Well, now I just feel like I'm being used. Thanks, Nick. And I'm wondering which Atlanta United players would be the most helpful to a contending team in 2023. And I'm only joking with you, Nick. Joseph Martinez, super sub or a starter. Parata, he's scoring off the bench. Can't go wrong there. Brooks Lennon and Andrew Gutman, two pretty good fullbacks. They create a lot of chances. Very aggressive. Almada, obviously. But does are some. That's an interesting question, though, Nick. Z asks, can you break down how many times we've scored off set pieces versus buildup versus counters? If so, can you compare this year to previous seasons? feel like this is part of the culture change between 17 and 18 and now. Well, I can't do it going back to other seasons, but I can tell you this year, and this is from whoscored.com, a fantastic website. From open play, Atlanta United has scored 29 goals. From set pieces, Atlanta United has scored 12 goals. From counterattacks, Atlanta United has scored three goals, and it has scored one goal on a penalty. It missed a penalty last night. It's only had three penalties called for it this year. This open play number, I don't quite agree with compared to the counterattacks, but I don't know how they define those two things. I think most of Atlanta United's goals have come on counterattacks, of course, with the number of set pieces they've scored recently. That's kind of making that uh, a smaller percentage. Elizabeth says, do you think Gaudinho will stay in goal or will Rios Novo come back? No, I think Gaudinho will stay in goal for the rest of the season. Potato wants some consistency. Putting Gaudinho in every time is consistency. Lama Rama, who's become a friend of the podcast, says, so a center back hat trick was probably the last thing anyone expected. I didn't. I, I distinctly remember tweeting that out. I can't believe no one saw it and retweeted it. What is the coaching staff feeding the defenders that they keep scoring? Can we give some of it to our attackers? Well, I know what it's not. It's not the panko crusted chicken that we used to get in the press box in 2017 and 18. That was one of the best meals I've ever had in a press box. It has disappeared from the menu. So it's not panko crusted chicken. Although they did service and sausage and a really good macaroni and cheese last night. And of course, the Carvel ice cream machine is the best thing in the history of things. So there you go. And our last question is from Ren with two ends, And it's a long one. At this point, I have to wonder, is even next season recoverable? The list of issues are apparently not only long but also deep. Our star striker is a shadow of his former self and is apparently quite frustrated and even angry. He likely had an impact on Heinze leaving. If the front office pushes Pineda out at this point, it'll look like Martinez is calling the shots. Well, they're not going to push Pineda out. How many GMs want to come to what would become a bit of a wrong, how many GMs would want to come to what would become a bit of a revolving door of Atlanta coaches? If Martinez leaves, despite having a year left on his contract, we are left without a standout striker. Well, they'll sign another one, if he leaves. Add that our VP and TD has pursued a team of South American players who, while individually good, seem unwilling or unable to play together as a team. Pineda seems unable to coach the team into being a team. We might argue, but injuries. While that is true, just watching tells us that there are deeper issues than the season's injuries. Whoever is chosen as the news president is likely going to be making some very difficult calls. My question is, do you believe this this group can become a team, and what will it take for that to happen? My answer to that is the same one I've given lots and lots of times. It's consistency. You need to have consistency in the lineup. With consistency in the lineup, you build chemistry. With chemistry, you build confidence. With confidence, you build speed of play. With speed of play, you hone instincts. With instincts, you get results. They simply have not been able to field a consistent starting lineup this year because of the myriad injuries, at least 20 that have robbed players of multiple games. It's it's almost impossible to overcome. And then there are other factors, Joseph being frustrated, but a lot of that is because of the results, which is, goes back to the injuries. Have I always agreed with Pineda's formations and tactics? No, I have not. But at the same time, He has a lot more information than I have about the team. It would be nice to give him a chance with a roster that can maintain some semblance of health for a few months at a time. All right, we're wrapping up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. As always, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on AJC.com. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can find me on the Facebooks at Atlanta United News Now. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care.
0: Ocean Breeze. Tropical beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.